The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by IBM. Big data at the speed of business. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to welcome our men and women in uniform who are tuning in over the Internet from remote outposts and new listeners joining us on radio stations from coast to coast across all 50 states. Thank you for making us part of your Newsweek. We had planned to speak with the governor of Kentucky, Matt Bevin, this week about radical pension reform in his state. But unfortunately, the governor was called away at the last minute. But here's the good news. We, we were able to move up our interview with former head of the Heritage Foundation and senator from South Carolina, Jim DeMint, who will be joining us shortly to talk about the controversial Convention of States project. I don't know if a lot of people have heard about this. This is a a project that's attempting to rein in federal authority and jurisdiction by adding amendments to the United States Constitution. Now, if you've listened to this program for any period of time, you know that this is an issue that we have talked about a great deal on this show, uh, no matter where you fall on the political spectrum And no matter what your position is on sanctuary cities, tax reform, the legalization of marijuana, common core education, carbon emission standards, gun control, abortion, voter registration, anything. One of the key and underlying issues which is continually swept under the rug is whether these are the jurisdiction of the federal government or would be better addressed at the state level. It is undeniable that in recent years, the federal government has been getting involved in everything from the foods that should be served in schools to how health care should be administered. It, it, it seems everywhere we turn, there's something going on in Washington, D.C., as, as opposed to the state legislatures. Now, looking at the big picture, it's it's difficult to understand how little by little states have been relinquishing the power to serve the needs of their local populations On the other hand, the fact is the recession threw most states into such economic turmoil that they're afraid to do anything that might endanger their ability to receive federal funding, which we all know they desperately need. So over time, a a kind of what, what I have named social Stockholm syndrome has developed. Yep, you you probably haven't heard this anywhere else. Just here, I call it social Stockholm syndrome. Governors and other state leaders have begun to identify with their captors in the, in the same way that uh, many of you will remember Patricia Hurst. She began to identify with the SLA and, and then cooperate with them. She felt responsible to help them carry out their mission. Uh, it, it's, it's not a, a form of hypnotism. It's more of a form of a, a slow brainwashing. In this way, state legislatures have fallen under the spell of federal governance and have now become willing participants of federal overreach by not holding the line. Just as Patricia Hearst came to believe that her very survival depended on the SLA, individual states are in such desperate need of their federal funding that they've surrendered far more power to Washington, D.C. than our founding fathers originally intended. Now, we know this. Uh, and one one way we we know this is is because in Pauline Mayer's beautifully written book Ratification, it's all about the ratification of the Constitution. She she shows us how regular Americans debated in homes and pubs and and in letters they sent to one another about the right balance 
between the federal government and state authority. This was a, you've got to remember, the Constitution took a year to ratify because these conversations were happening amongst people on Main Street. Our entire nation engaged in a dialogue about the dangers of federal power and how to protect against it. And it seems to me we need to have that conversation again. Because over the past several administrations, we can see that states are finally, finally beginning to uh, ignore federal law. The legalization of marijuana is just one example. Marijuana is still, to this day, classified as a class one drug according to federal law, the same as heroin. But instead of doing the right thing and changing that federal law, state leaders have gone rogue and just decided to ignore the federal law and make it legal in their states, which is illegal. And, and more importantly, it means that if a new AG, a new attorney general or president chose to, they could cut off funding to any state which doesn't faithfully abide by federal mandates. So even if you come up with these laws in your state, you're at risk. And, and, and when they say they can cut off funding, that, that's the kind of threat that states that sponsor sanctuary cities also currently face. Looking backwards, we can see that this standoff has been brewing for some time and will eventually come to a head if, if we don't do something procedural and legal to stop it. And fortunately for us, for us living in, in the United States of America, under Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution, there is a clear process for making amendments to the Constitution, amendments that are, in my opinion, much needed. And that's what Senator DeMint and others that are advocating the Convention of States project are doing. They are proactively seeking to amend the U.S. Constitution to eliminate federal overreach in a number of key areas. Uh, I think, you know, I've, I've investigated a little bit, not a lot, but I've investigated a little bit about this Convention of States project. I don't even think they go far enough. I, as you know, if you've been listening to my program, I'm very concerned about Oval Office overreach. Um, you know, not just federal governance, but but the amount of power that's been accumulated in the Oval Office. Uh, that has really concerned me when I start to see things that rise to the level of treaties be called agreements and be called accords and every other word other than a treaty use so that you don't have to get two-thirds uh, Senate support. Now, what DeMint is doing, the Convention of States project, which he recently joined, it, it may sound very proactive and very reasonable. Uh, I feel it's going to be a tricky business getting it done because according to Article 5, and, and you know, this goes back to our early civics discussions, right? I had to crack a couple books before this interview. And I'll tell you that according to Article 5, you've got to have two-thirds vote in both the House and the Senate and three-quarters of the state legislatures to make and ratify an amendment. In other words, this is what it boils down to. Some of those who are guilty of the very overreach... <laughs> that DeMint and the Convention of States is is trying to rein in, those same people have to vote to relinquish their power. Now, so so, so this this means the very offenders have to say, all right, well, I'll give up my, my opportunity to offend. And anyone who is a student of history knows that rarely are those who are in power eager to dispense any of it. So we're going to hear a lot more about this later in today's program when DeMint joins us to talk about the Convention of States project. Now, if you've got a, a, a computer near you or you've got a, a cell phone, you might want to look into this. More importantly, look into Article 5 of the Constitution. Do some of your homework here because what they're attempting to do, I think, is, uh, is very valuable, is very important at this particular point in time. Uh, when we see a tremendous amount of overreach and, as I said, the parsing of words, uh, as in calling things that are, you know, that are, are, are clearly treaties, not treaties. Imagine if, if we had gone through congressional procedure 
on the Iran Agreement or the Paris Accord. We, there would not be the opportunity for a president to come in and uh, and pull out of these things So without going through Congress. And that's why these procedures are in place. They're in place so that we can speak in one voice and we can offer uh, some stability when we speak to the rest of the world. Right now, we have to take our first break, but stay where you are. We'll be right back after these important messages. You're listening to the Costa Report. When I say Italy, what comes to mind? Venice. Capri. Oh my gosh, Capri was marvelous. The views, the cliffside views, or traveling to Sorrento. Pirello Tours. Oh, Pirello Tours, for sure. Pirello. Hi, I'm Steve Pirello of Pirello Tours. With over 70 years of tour experience to Italy, it's no wonder Pirello Tours is synonymous with travel to Italy. I think of the culture. And to walk up to certain areas and touch a wall and think, well, this wall's like 3,000 years old. Being on a Pirello Tour on our anniversary was better than anything I can remember ever on an anniversary. I personally approve every itinerary to ensure a stress-free, once-in-a-lifetime vacation. Salute! Call now for your free insider's guide to Perillo's Italy. Call in the next 30 minutes and qualify for a $100 gift card when you travel with us. Call 800-897-7176. 800-897-7176. I owe the IRS $10,000. The IRS garnished my wages. They put a lien on my house. The IRS is the most powerful collection agency in the world. They do not give up until you pay. I couldn't sleep. We were being audited. I called Tax Solutions Now and a great big weight was lifted off my shoulders. I called Tax Solutions Now and they got the IRS off my back. Tax Solutions Now had my wage garnishment lifted in 48 hours. Tax Solutions Now can get you help. Our agents know the rules, can stop the pain, and get you the best deal. We connect you with a team of former IRS agents and tax professionals who will get the IRS off your back. We saved our home and overcame the most powerful collection agency in the world. Call Tax Solutions now. Time is running out. Call 800-987-0577. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. I start laundry at 8. At 10, we go for a walk. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. I am done with my mattress. That's right. I'm not spending another night on this old bag. My new mattress comes today, and this thing is out of here. Bye-bye, mattress. Yep, bye-bye, mattress. So says you and about a thousand other people every day. And that's a lot of old mattresses with no place to go. There's the landfill, of course, where they just take up space. But what a waste. Because you could send it to a mattress recycler where old mattresses get broken down into steel, foam, wood, and fiber that become new steel, carpet padding, home insulation, garden mulch, biomass fuel, locomotive oil filters, and all kinds of other great stuff. So Bye Bye Mattress is right. But don't toss it. Recycle it. It's easy. And it's free. To find a mattress recycler in your area, visit ByeByeMattress.com.
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is former president of the Heritage Foundation and senator of South Carolina, Jim DeMint, who will be joining us shortly. And as I mentioned earlier, DeMint and others have taken on the daunting job of convening state legislatures in order to make amendments to the U.S. Constitution, which would restrict federal jurisdiction and authority. And you're going to be hearing a lot more about the Convention of States project. DeMint has joined uh, in the coming months as DeMint convinces Tea Party leaders and institutional Republicans to take on the new mission of legally limiting federal uh, government authority. Uh, when you when you really do stop and think about this and, and look at it objectively, when you think about the federal government and how intrusive it has become uh, into everything from speeding laws to marijuana, health care insurance, education standards, voter registration, uh, now gun control um, and, and even more, uh, you can begin to see a pattern developing where these laws are now being done on a federal basis that really should be handled on a state-by-state basis. And here to help us frame up the constitutional issue at hand is one of our guests on our weekly roundtable every week, host of the Charles Friedman Show, Charles Friedman. Charles, thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you for asking me. I'm very flattered. Listen, I got a question here. You know, I had to go back and look at my civics books and and look at Article Five of the Constitution. I've got my copy sitting in front. Of you. I, I, I'm I'm with you. You do your you know, homework, you know, right? Uh, yeah, I want to go do my homework, yeah. right? Because it's been a long time since I really looked at those things. Can Can Dement and the others that are involved in this project? Do you really think they can get two thirds of the state legislatures, along with two thirds of the House and two thirds of the Senate, to go along with amendments in our current partisan climate? I I wonder, you're talking about amending the Constitution. Yeah, uh, I'm talking about adding amendments that control federal overreach. Well, you thing, know, in we, particular, wait, I'm wait concerned about we, Oval Office well, we, overreach. We already have one. Uh, the Tenth Amendment, which is part of the original Bill of Rights, the power is not delegated to the United States by this Constitution, nor prohibited by the states, are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. The problem we have is not with the Constitution. The Constitution is perfectly adequate. The problem we have is that the Constitution has not been followed. The Constitution has been violated. You yourself mentioned a couple of examples of this, the idea that states would violate federal laws. Under the Constitution, as interpreted by the Supreme Court over the years, that's not legal, and yet it is happening. So we see a breakdown in the fundamental rule of law in this country. Now, it but what I, happens, let, let me stop you there, what, yeah. to ask you a question. What happens when the federal government uh, decides on a law that the states don't agree with? They don't want and they don't think is the jurisdiction of the federal government. See, that, th- this is okay. the problem. There's nothing in the Constitution to prevent the federal government from making laws which none of these states would agree to and oh, do oh, not believe is within federal no, jurisdiction. No, I'm, I'm sorry, that's not true. We we do have the amendment process. Look at prohibition. It was first enacted by constitutional amendment. And when it became obvious that it was a cropper, it was repealed by constitutional amendment. The idea that amending the Constitution is impossible falls to the ground when you look at the fact that we have 28 amendments to the damn thing. If it's impossible to amend, how does this keep happening all the time? So, so okay, so then this is my question. Do we need an amendment that prohibits the federal government from taking over by uh, coming up with a lot of laws that this i mean do we need to control federal overreach is my question is there anything in the constitution that's going to prevent the federal government from getting in the business of all the businesses of the states there's, there's yeah, no yes, there's yes, no there, governor yes, there yes yes there is well yes, what is it uh, the 10th amendment but as i said this has often been called the forgotten amendment because uh government has walked all over it for years no my, the 10th my, amendment says the states have to abide by federal law no it doesn't it doesn't no it doesn't let me read it for you again let me see here it's very quick the powers not delegated by to the united states by the constitution nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states, respectively, or to the people. That's yes. what it says. It doesn't say that states have to abide by federal law. That's, that's it, a does, it, that's it doesn't a limit. Matter. It does. It says the powers of the that that have been granted to the federal government. What are those? 
powers not delegated to the United States by this Constitution. In other words, if the Constitution doesn't say the federal government can do it, then it can't do it. It's just that simple. And and, and this we is have where left, we it left, gets we, gray. we left that in the dust during the New Deal. That is when the Constitution of the United States ceased being the real governing document of the country. And government started doing and getting into a lot of businesses and areas where it had never been before. And for several years, the Supreme Court of the United States, uh, which was still uh, dominated by a majority of people who held that view, uh, would shoot down New Deal ideas and New Deal programs. And Franklin Roosevelt got irritated. He called them nine old men and tried to pack the Supreme Court. But eventually enough of them died or resigned and he kept getting reelected. And he was able to, you know, well, over a period of 12 years, he well, was able Charles, to nominate practically every justice to the Supreme Court. And he literally um, used that to pervert the Constitution. I got to cut you off there. We're going to find out if you are right, Charles, in just a moment when Senator DeMint joins us. Uh, who has, as I mentioned, signed on to the Convention of States project. We're going to learn more about that. But before we hear from Senator DeMint, let me ask our listeners today where they go when they find themselves shorthanded or have an important job to fill. Well, well, that is where ZipRecruiter can help them. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then powerful technology matches the right person to your job. And you can imagine how much time that you'll save by posting your job one time and then having it appear on 100 job sites, never mind how much you increase the odds of locating that perfect person for your opening. This is why ZipRecruiter is different and used by thousands of businesses, small and large. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on a candidate finding you. It goes out and finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter locate a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. So ZipRecruiter is not only thorough, it's also very fast. No more juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, entirely free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash report, R-E-P-O-R-T. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash report. One more time to try it completely for free and go out there and find that perfect person for your job opening. If it's free, you've got nothing to lose. Uh, We use it all the time, and I will tell you, that's how we have attracted the most qualified people in the radio business to the Costa Report. We just go on ZipRecruiter.com and our job posts on 100 job sites, and before we know it, I mean literally in one day, we have more resumes to go through than we've ever had before. So one more time to try it for free. All you have to do is go to ZipRecruiter.com slash report. And be sure you put that slash report in, that slash R-E-P-O-R-T. We have to take another short intermission, but stay tuned. Next up, former Senator Jim DeMint. You're listening to the Costa Report. I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars, whose Brute Cuvée is winning wine awards faster than we can name them. What is it about Caraccioli's Brute Cuvée that sets it apart from others? I really think it comes down to both process and the fruit. Uh, we're in a ideal location to grow Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, and being able to harvest that at optimal pick points in Monterey County, where you have a climate and soils that produce these grapes in the best way possible. Pulling them earlier on, you still get a lot of fruit expression, but you get a lot of acidity, which gives you the opportunity to make killer sparkling wine. And our Brute, being our flagship wine, has everything that's possible when it comes to sparkling wine. You can order any of our products directly from us by visiting our website at caracciolicellars.com or calling the tasting room directly, 831-622-7722. I'm Paul George of the Indiana Pacers. 
When I was six, I had one thing on my mind. When I was six, my days were spent playing basketball every chance I could. When I was six, my dream was to make it to the NBA. When I was six, my mom had a stroke. So I want you to learn the signs of a stroke fast. F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. I'm Paul George. Protect the ones you love. Spot a stroke F-A-S-T. Fast. Life is why. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Women now make up 37% of the workforce, changing their role forever. Harvard Medical School has now opened its doors to new female applicants. The first woman is now in space. The majority of last year's doctorate degrees were earned by women. We've come so far. But our news is changing for the worse. More women die from heart disease and stroke than men, even though it can be prevented. Make a change at GoRedForWomen.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women. Okay, what are you wearing right now? Nothing. That's right. So mommy's going to teach you how to dress yourself. Underwear always comes first. Name tag at the back, then pants, then shirt. Get the first button in the right hole or you have to start all over. Socks going first, then shoes right on right, left on left. With shoelaces, just take the ends, cross them over, switch the loops. The rabbit goes down the hole, pull tight, and left with bunny ears. Got it? Why are your pants on your head? Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But two minutes twice a day, making sure they brush their teeth is easier, and it could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. Visit 2min2x.org to find out more. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Psst. Yeah, you. It's me. Your heart. Listen to me. We've got to talk. High blood pressure is serious, and yours? Whoa. What happened to us? We used to be so much more active. But lately, you've been ignoring me. I know you think I'm just going to keep ticking away forever, but you're wrong. You can do so much more to control your high blood pressure. Doing the minimum isn't doing enough. I'm under a lot of pressure and can quit whenever I want. Bet you didn't know that. But I like my job. Just treat me better. Check on me. Give me something green to nibble on every once in a while. And maybe we can do some exercise on occasion. Let's get to it. After all, we're in this together. Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check, change, control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, my guest today is former senator and president of the Heritage Foundation, Mr. Jim DeMint, who, as I mentioned earlier, has recently signed on to the Convention of States Project, and we're going to hear a lot about that in the next uh, couple of segments here, uh, as long as we can keep the senator around. Welcome, Senator. Well, thank you, Rebecca. It's great to be with you. A lot of exciting things going on up here in Washington and around the country. There there are, uh, you know, it's feeling very manic. You know, one minute we've got shooters uh, shooting people practicing for a baseball game. And the next minute uh, we've got the baseball game going on as as per normal. So, uh, you know, it's it's hard to know how to feel. Uh, we've been talking a lot about how much concentration of power has been occurring at the federal level of government and how and why this has happened. So I thought maybe we could start there. What's causing so much federal overreach? Well, it's just been gradual and uh, I guess increasing uh, lately. The founders anticipated this. It's uh, why they included in Article 5 that states could actually call a convention and, and pass amendments to restrain the federal government. We can talk about that. But what we've just seen over the years is the federal money, I mean, the federal government has basically bribed states. What they, they might throw out all this money for education, and then the regulations come later, money for transportation, money for welfare, Medicaid. It just in every area of our lives, the federal government has just continued to expand and, and Congress hasn't pushed back and because there's so much advantage politically to bring home more money to your state and to, to your people. Uh, so the centralization of power has resulted in a lot of dysfunction and waste. 
But worst of all, Rebecca, when you've got a central uh, system making decisions about how you live, how you live your life, how you educate your children, uh, what kind of health care you're going to get, and what doctor you can people began to get very frustrated and, and, um, and negative about their government. A lot of the division in America today is because we've got so many decisions being made in a central place. And that's why we really have to decentralize power and return to the original idea of federalism, which is people and states making most of their own decisions. Well, you know, I, for many, many years, I, I felt the states cooperated with this shift in power. I, I don't let the states off the hook. And I, many, I coined the phrase social Stockholm syndrome. It's almost as though the states started to identify with their captors. Well, they, they have. And like I said, they've been bribed. The states didn't want to turn down money for education. But uh, over time, they've seen that the federal government just provides about 10 percent of the funding for public education. But at least a third of the cost of, of public education is related to federal rules and regulations. Uh, and, and it forces a one size fits all a solution, which just not doesn't work for kids. The good news, Rebecca, is over the last several years, you've seen states start to push back as they haven't in years. They, they sued the federal government about Obamacare, about immigration. Many states refused to take the money for Medicaid expansion and for the exchanges that were part of Obamacare. So whether it's immigration, health care, many states are now breaking away with more school choice. So this is a perfect time to challenge the states to come in and help save the country. Because I can tell you from someone who's been here 20 years, the House and Senate, you know, working some in the think tank community, that Congress does no longer has a, the structural capability to stop spending and stop borrowing money. So unless the states step up, we will ultimately have some kind of economic meltdown. Well, you can add to that that the states are rebelling against federal mandates on marijuana, uh, also on uh, sanctuary cities. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, Donald Trump, Trump has uh, threatened to cut off uh, state funding if, if they don't get rid of these sanctuary cities. But it seems like uh, more and more the states are just uh, ignoring federal laws. And, of course, that can't work either. That is just equally dysfunctional. Now, many Americans are hearing about the Convention of States project for the first time here. T- tell us about that project. Well, a lot of people, just like me, have heard, oh, we don't want a constitutional convention. It could be a runaway convention that that rewrite the Constitution. That's not what this is about at all. That's just a fear tactic. When the founders wrote Article 5, which tells tells the Congress that they, with um, three-fifths of of the Congress, a supermajority, can pass an amendment and send it to the states for ratification, where where three-fourths of the states have to uh, ratify, 38 states. And also included in there, and it was a big debate at the time, that if the the federal government becomes too big and tyrannical, they're not going to put limits on themselves. The states have to be able to. So they added to Article 5 that states, 34 states, could come together and call a an amendments convention. This is not a, a convention to rewrite the Constitution. It is a convention to propose specific amendments uh, on specific subject matter. And so what we're calling on the states to do, and all uh, 12 of them just in, in the last couple of years, have uh, passed this Article 5 Convention of the States for three subject matters, so to restrain the federal, federal government fiscally, to restrain the jurisdiction and authority of the federal government over the states, and to come up with term limits for federal officers, congressmen, senators, and judges. Uh, and 12 states have done it relatively quickly. We hope next year that uh, at least 10 or 15 more would do it. We have to get to 34 states. But the hope is is that we'll have a convention, have a constitutional amendment, an amendment, are several amendments that say the federal government has to balance its budget. It can't expand the debt. It can't increase taxes to balance the budget. And and also things like it cannot have unfunded mandates on the states, that the regulations have to have a certain type of congressional review. Common sense things that I think our founders assumed. Uh, but uh, what I'm tired of hearing is that this is some kind of risky endeavor. Frankly, we already have a runaway Congress. We have runaway courts. 
and we have a lot of states that have just been run over as far as their rights and responsibilities. And so I'm challenging um, state legislators all over the country, step up and help us save the country, call for an Article 5 convention. Now, let's assume you get the 34 states. Uh, in order to ratify these amendments, you still need three-quarters vote in the House and Senate, don't you? No, you don't need the House and the Senate. You you need 38 states to ratify whatever amendments come out of that. So convention. the states themselves can ratify without con- without Congress ratifying? Right. Congress does not have to ratify or ever approve anything, and that was the whole intent. But I feel much more secure that 38 states are not going to pass something crazy than I do the, what the Supreme Court might do uh, and or some federal judge. Right mm-hmm. now, we're, we're just very vulnerable to uh, Congress responding to some kind of shooting event with uh, taking away some Second Amendment rights, just like they did with the financial crisis and Dodd-Frank, just a huge overreach. Uh, yes. and the federal courts, courts are the same way, but I don't think you'll ever see 38 states agree to take away the rights of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think this is so necessary because I feel like there's a growing standoff that we're not addressing between the states and the federal government. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, and you mentioned the uh, some of the uh, Medicaid uh, rejection of, of those monies, uh, the marijuana laws, the sanctuary cities. It's its just a growing divide that's going on. And it seems like we keep sweeping uh, this problem under the rug. And, you know, it's so much better, like all problems, to get it out into the light. Let's let's have a conversation about it. Let's talk about it and come to some agreement that uh, that doesn't cause this uh, this rift to complete to continue to grow. There is uh, some bipartisan support. We've got some Democrats as lead sponsors in some states. And the reason for this is once people understand what we're doing, they realize that the point of this is not for some people to tell other people or other states how they should live their lives or what they should do. This is deciding who decides and where it's decided. Should it be decided in Washington by an elite few? Or should it be decided as the founders intended by the states and the people that's written in the 10th Amendment? So I think once liberals, libertarians, conservatives, all Americans realize that this is about who decides, I think we're going to have a growing groundswell of support. Well, I think you will, too. We have to take a short scheduled break. And when we come back, we'll find out why making constitutional amendments is trickier than it sounds. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Costa Report. From time to time, listeners ask me whether I believe we're on the brink of a massive unilateral social collapse. And if so, is there any hope we can avert it? While there's no quick answer to that question, there is an easy explanation, one you'll find in my book, The Watchman's Rattle. Get your copy today because the sequel to The Watchman's Rattle will be coming out in just four months. So this gives you all summer to get ready for what comes next. That's The Watchman's Rattle, available at RebeccaCosta.com, Amazon, and bookstores everywhere. At Stellar, we're built from the ground up. From our humble beginnings in Jacksonville, Florida, Stellar was founded in 1985 as a general contractor with less than 30 employees. We continue to build, grow, and innovate with hard work, a dedicated, talented team, and a commitment to taking solutions further. We have grown into a global design-build leader. We now lead the way in the food, commercial, and public sector markets, and we are backed by a company-wide commitment to exceeding our customers' expectations. As we have grown, so have our capabilities. Stellar is with you every step of the way. Whether you're building a project from the ground up or enhancing your current facility, we do this because we are Stellar and because we cannot be deterred from our goal of taking solutions further. Visit Stellar.net, S-T-E-L-L-A-R.net. Hi there, I'm Bob Eubanks. 
You know, as part of Hollywood for a long time, I've seen my fair share of celebrities get in trouble with the IRS. Well, there's one name I trust, the Tax Defense Group. So if you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS, you really need to call my friends at the Tax Defense Group. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee, and they're open 24 hours a day because they know that tax debt doesn't sleep either. Call 800-257-2910. 800-257-2910. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. Feedthepig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You going to finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... (laughs) Sometimes, though. (laughs) You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We need a new stuntman. Let's break for lunch. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Hey, America, we need to have a little talk. I don't know if you've noticed, but we got a lot of food in this country. A lot of peaches, a lot of corn, a lot of apples, a lot of everything. We've got so much food that we can't even eat it all. So if we got all this extra food, how are 17 million kids in America struggling with hunger? I just don't get it. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to the hungry kids who need it. They can get you food even if you live in Idaho or Alaska or somewhere crazy like that. This isn't complicated. We've got extra food and we've got hungry kids. Feeding America's done the math. Now it's your turn. Support Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. I know you got internet on your phone, so what are you waiting for? We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, my guest today is former Senator Jim DeMint. And we have been talking about the Convention of States project, which ought to be a bipartisan initiative. So uh, that said, uh, Mr. DeMint, who is funding this project and what other leaders have signed on? Well, it's it's the funding is one of the things I like about it because while while there are I think a couple of larger a few larger supporters, this is mostly a grassroots effort of uh, tens of thousands of people around the country who are sending in small amounts of money. Uh, in a lot of cases, it, this is a new mission for folks who are in the Tea Party or sympathetic to it, realizing that hey, they spend a lot of time and effort sending people to Washington, and not much has changed. Uh, I'm not suggesting we give up on Washington because I'm going to continue to work here to help conservatives. That we've got to work on two fronts, but it's clear that the, there's a grassroots uprising, and that's where most of the support and and the money and, and grassroots activity is coming from for this organization. Now, are there other leaders who have also signed on. Oh, oh yeah, a lot, a lot of them, of course. Senator Tom Coburn is a senior advisor along with me, but we've got great governors like Greg Abbott uh, in, in Texas. We've got Bobby Jindal. Um, we've got, um, again, um, Jeb Bush. Uh, again, uh, across the political spectrum, uh, lead sponsor for the bill in, in Ohio legislature is a, is a Democrat. And I think what you're going to see is states like California, who, who don't necessarily want um, a, a Trump administration imposing their views, just like South Carolina might not like a, uh, a, a, a liberal president imposing their views, that who's in the White House should not be deciding how we live our lives. That, and the limiting federal power is something I think that people of all walks of life and political stripes We'll come to see that we're all going to be happier if we have decisions that are made close to home by us, by our states, where we can actually change things. 
I cannot imagine a situation in which you can't get 34 states. And because I, I say, I believe that this is not an issue that uh, uh, is a partisan issue, not by a long shot. I don't care where you are on the political spectrum. You should have enough common sense to know that state, there are certain uh, functions that state governments can perform better for their local communities. And uh, and that these, you know, I, I have never in all my years seen so much federal overreach. And uh, and I'm an independent. I, I confess to you, I'm not a conservative. I'm not a liberal. I'm an independent, have been a long time independent. But I'm very, very disturbed by what I see. And even more importantly, let me ask you this. Why don't we hear about this Convention of States project? I don't hear anybody in the media talking about it. Well, while it's been going on for years, uh, there have been different groups, and, and over over several decades, over 30 states have passed uh, some call to an amendments convention. The problem is they, they these proposal, proposed amendments have not been the same. And in order for them to count towards the 34, they have to be the same. And so only recently, the Convention of the States project is, is not even four years old yet, and really the bills haven't been in front of the legislatures but for a couple of years. Um, and so you're going to hear a lot more about it because more and more people are realizing that no matter who they vote for, no matter which party's in power, they keep spending and they create division across the country because the way they keep centralized power is dividing us and playing one group against another, saying somebody's getting something and hurting somebody else. And, and you know, it's, it's just dividing the country and creating frustration. Uh, I, I think the way our country was formed, where there was a whole lot of autonomy at the state level, even the state didn't make a lot of individual decisions for people. And, and we can still have our social safety nets. We can make sure people don't fall through the cracks. But it has been proven over several decades that the federal government cannot manage things well. It has not helped uh, our schools. It has not helped our transportation system while we're spending a whole lot more. And clearly, it is messing up our health care system in a lot of ways. Yes, that, that's right. You know, I, I mentioned earlier uh, before you had a chance to join the program that Pauline Mayer wrote a wonderful book called Ratification in which she found all these terrific letters and uh, descriptions of how during the year that it took to ratify the Constitution, people throughout the United States were meeting in pubs and they were having meetings in their homes and they were, there was a national dialogue going on about the, you know, about the, the authorization and jurisdiction of the states and how much power the federal government should have. It's a, it's a wonderful book and many, many heartfelt letters, handwritten letters that she reproduced in that book. And, and uh, I, I would love to see a national dialogue like that take place again. Rebecca, I think you've mentioned one of the most important parts of this. Just the process of going through this is going to help Americans understand how things are supposed to work and why they're not working well. And people will start dialoguing like that and realizing that, hey, the the best thing is when somebody else is not deciding for us how we should live our lives. And we can live together with very different views and lifestyles if somebody's not trying to force us to do something that somebody else is doing. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be a great national education process uh, in the Constitution and how things should work. And at the same time, it will be building pressure on Congress to do the right thing before the states get to the convention. And uh, so a lot of good things could come out of this. And I'm anxious to to work on it with a lot of great people around the country. And uh, there are already over 2 million who've signed a petition to call for a convention of the states. And I think it won't be too long before we've got over 10 million who want to do that. And I think we're going to reach a tipping point next year. And, um, and we're going to, I think we're going to see something that could fundamentally uh, put America back in a position where we can all be more successful. Now, in addition to acquiring these signatures and getting the 34 states to sign on, what's the next step for the Convention of States project? Well, what we're doing is helping a, a number of a state legislators get ready for their next legislative session to make sure they understand this, that they have the legislative language, because it is important that everyone pass the same call to convention. And so we, we've got about another 20 states who will probably be 
considering it in some form next year. Mm -hmm. Some have passed it in one body, the House or the Senate, but not the other. And so our goal is to make sure that these legislators have have the equipment, the grassroots support, and that we do the public education that's necessary. Because those who want the central power in the status quo uh, are going to continue to try to frighten people that what we're trying to do is rewrite the Constitution to benefit some political philosophy. And that's not what this is about. The the amendment is not a political philosophy. It's not telling people what to do. It's to restrain the federal power, to limit what they can do to states, and hopefully limit the terms of federal officers, because uh, careerism here, whether you're a bureaucrat or a politician, is a really bad thing. Now, we are just about out of time. Is there a website where listeners today can go to get involved or get additional information about the Convention of States project? Thanks for asking, Rebecca. It's conventionofthestates.com. A lot of good information on there. Tom Coburn has, has just written a new book. It, it's not even been released yet about smashing the D.C. monopoly. Very well researched. He worked with several historians to get this, and it explains it so clearly So I can't wait for that book to get out and for people to actually learn the truth about this, because the only way this won't happen is if people believe things that aren't true. Yes, that that's true. But, you know, we have a lot of fake news these days. (laughs) So so it's good for you to be proactive and uh, get on programs like this and get the word out before that fake news leaks out. Well, that is just about all the time we have. But thank you, uh, Mr. DeMitt, for making time to be with us today and more importantly, uh, for your service to our country. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rebecca. Bye bye. And that wraps our first hour. If your station is leaving us after this first hour, my guest next week is former United States Secretary of Defense, Director of the CIA, and White House Chief of Staff. Mark your calendars right now. You don't want to miss this interview with Mr. Leon Panetta. Yep, that's right. Leon Panetta himself will be here to weigh in on threats from Russia, from North Korea. I don't know if many of you caught the heartfelt interview with the uh, with Otto's father this past week. Uh, the... the uh, Uh, university student who uh, arrived home a year after he was captured by the North Koreans in a coma. Uh, And Panetta will also weigh in on ISIS and other terrorist threats the nation faces. Don't miss Leon Panetta next week right here on the only news program that puts policy ahead of politics. You're listening to the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 